Welcome to this special mini-episode of Splendid Chaps, recorded to mark the announcement of Season 3 of Night Terrace, our time travel audio comedy series. This episode, John Richards and Petra Elliott talk about the most recent series of Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker and Anastasia Black. You're listening to Splendid Chaps, 2019 edition. So... We have we talked to Jodie Whittaker at all yet? On we haven't. Chaps? No, the last episode that we did, we uh, looked at the Capaldi reign before the change of um, Doctor, Doctor yeah. and showrunner. As and, well. and obviously, we're not we're not ready yet to talk about the Jodie Whittaker era because we like to wait mm. until it's over. over. <laughs> um, yeah. And and we're, we're trying to we're trying to be very positive. I, she's a good actor. She's a good actor. I, I, I love her. I think I'm Broadchurch is one of those few shows where I would watch it week to week and be happy. Like normally, I like to wait until I can do a bit of a run up and then watch mm-hmm. a, a series so that I don't have that. Well, I can't wait. Kind of vibe. Um, I do think she did an amazing job as the Doctor, um, but obviously she had. We had also a change of showrunner to contend with, and, well, and there may it, be some confusion. Yes, and in fact, I'm a change of everything. So totally. you know, new new music, new yeah. new lenses, new cameras, like everything has, mm. has changed. So one of the reasons we made Night Terrace was we talked about how we wanted to. to we thought it should be a female doctor. I was on, yeah. We talked many times in 2013 about wanting a female doctor. Well, not just a female doctor, but I think we were lamenting the lack of female protagonists in sci-fi in general, mm-hmm. or yeah. certainly ones that could maybe, I don't know, pass the Bechdel test. Yes, and that was interesting because I, I remember getting one email about season one of Night Terror suggesting that perhaps Jackie, uh, perhaps Anastasia Blacker wasn't quite as, as proactive right. as they had thought. She might be, which I, yeah, I, I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but mm-hmm. it was interesting that that, that was a um, thing brought up. I think but that could potentially have also been a character arc. Like, she didn't want to do anything. She was done with that lifestyle. So maybe she was only doing what she had to do. But, yes, I certainly from that. That's true. It's interesting, too, I think, that first season of Night Terrace, there's a slight sense of the Clara-Capaldi dynamic mm-hmm. in that Capaldi needs Clara to be his conscience. And I think that's mm. what Eddie is Definitely. to Anastasia in that first series as well, which is yeah. quite an interesting thing to do. Mm. So, yeah, like, I think I think we created a, a, a fascinating character. She, I think she's played really well by Jackie Woodburn, who gives her just so much depth. And, Definitely. And I love the fact that, you know, even when we softened her a bit, she's still kind of narky. You know, I kind of <laughs> like that. Um, so I think that was kind of my, my slight disappointment with the last series of Who was that they could have done so much more. And... It felt almost like having taken this bold step of finally casting a female doctor, they kind of panicked and focused on Graham mm. for the whole series. Well, I think it, the attention was split between four people, essentially, mm-hmm. the doctor and the three companions, and they all they all quite genuinely had fascinating backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, we possibly could have seen a little bit more of Ryan. It was Ryan, wasn't it? It's been a while since I've watched the yeah, episodes. Yeah, it, it, this is a funny thing, because even the character <laughs> names, apart from Graham, because everyone said it over and over again. Yes. You know, and, and it felt like, yeah, there were, there were too many characters, and for some reason, and maybe because, you know, I mean, Chibnall's a straight, white, ha- middle-aged dude. Maybe mm. that's why Graham maybe appealed to him. Graham's, uh, the actor's very famous in England, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it did feel weird that the, the person, the only person who really got the, the development and the story arc mm. and, you know, the... the the dead girlfriend and everything mm. was yeah was not the doctor and it kind of frustrated me going no I want more of, 
she was almost like a shepherd in a way, I think. Mm-hmm. She was guiding this little flock of people who, you know, with vague connections, but certainly not um, long standing relate. Well, you know, Graham and Ryan. Because, I mean, it was his grandmother. As well, it wasn't just Graham's girlfriend. I I know Ryan's storyline bizarre. They give us all this stuff about him at the beginning and then don't seem to ever really return. I don't know, that whole Mm -hmm. series, it just seems a bit odd. And poor Yasmin, who I felt just got nothing to do. That's exactly my point. Here we are, we're talking about female characters, but we're focusing on the men. Yes, because... John, we are pu- we are failing our well, own well, well, test because, here. Because Yasmin and, and the Doctor really just didn't seem... Because I was thinking, yeah, there's that famous um, thing, like the, there's a, a Star Wars test thing that they've mm-hmm. been doing, which was basically they asked a bunch of people without you know, describing how they looked, describe these characters from Star Wars, and everyone had all these things. And they said, okay, without describing how they looked, describe these people from like the Phantom Menace and no one's got any mm. and I was trying to think today about the Doctor about what would I identify as being uniquely this Doctor there is one scene I remember where I can't remember what it is but there's a certain compassion that she has mm-hmm. and gets to express mm. which I don't think we're seeing the other Doctors sadly that again feels like a gendered thing to have given her I think this is a very good example of why the patriarchy isn't just about um, you know well, clearing that glass ceiling isn't just about putting more women in roles or Mm -hmm. more people of colour because it's how once they're in those roles, women or people of colour behave. And as women, and I've done this myself in male-dominated jobs, Mm -hmm. we stand back and we let the men have the conversation and maybe that's what Jodie Whittaker's character was doing just a little bit. But that frustrating she thinks like she'd say, you know, don't do this, it's a morally evil thing to do and Mm. they would just do it behind her back. Mm. That happens in in at least two episodes. You're going, hang on, so you're just undermining the lead character. I was very confused what they were trying to achieve with a lot of it. And I must sort of preface all of this by saying I've not yet done a rewatch of the Mm -hmm. series. I mean, here in Australia it hasn't yet. I think it's only maybe just appeared on Stan Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, So I haven't yet done a rewatch of these particular episodes. But there are certainly things that stand out for me from a yes, go girl kind of perspective and it was when she was choosing her outfit which oh my god took so long to get to <laughs> but when she's there and she's like she's in she's got pockets it's got pockets she's That's got the big pockets. thing the pockets thing has been a, <laughs> yes, a main theme it's so fantastic but she does have this sort of bubbly enthusiasm and i was actually thinking about this just this morning actually um you know when you go to a job interview and they say what's what's one of your bad habits or what's one of your mm-hmm. faults? And I think one of my faults is when I give criticism or I'm saying something which could potentially be seen as negative, I will often say, oh, honey, have you thought about doing it this way because if you do it this way? Mm-hmm. So I often put a term of affection in there that is potentially really not appropriate for the work phase, yeah, but, but I need to feel like I don't want to come across as aggressive yeah. or too assertive because, you know. Yeah, so yeah. there are so many ways that we tailor ourselves. Um, and looking at the way, so we've had Chris Chibnall, who is a male, leading the way for these new characters um forgive me darling but we have four male writers writing for anastasia black Uh, i'm there in the writer's room Mm -hmm. uh i'm sort of putting my two cents into scripts but do you think that might have an impact on the way we've written her uh, yeah absolutely but i think also that thing with i guess with Anastasia, because we start off with it being grumpy, which I mm. guess I think maybe that is it's in a itself. very male trait. Yeah, because it's, it's not it's not a coded it's not a feminine coded trait mm. in the way that you know perhaps 
saying that this this character is um, you know more caring in the Jodie Whittaker one. That that does feel like that's a feminine gendered trait. Whereas mm-hmm. we, I think, just gave Anastasia. And you're right. I think grumpy women isn't a thing. And it's funny how I think you're only ever allowed to have grumpy older women. Like it's a it's also an age thing. You can't have a grumpy young woman. That that's would actually be actually very good point. I'm trying to. I'm racking my brains. I'm trying to think of any. Yeah. Or, or uh, the term then changes. They're not grumpy, they're sassy. Yeah, or they're bitchy. Yeah. Or they're, you know. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's that as well. But it did feel weird that that maybe, and maybe it was such a big change of everything that they felt more comfortable focusing more on Because, you know, we get Ryan's dad, we get, you know, Graham's mm-hmm. story. And, and I don't know, but I just, I, I mean, other positive things we should say is the fact that Jodie Whittaker's character is shown as being perhaps an engineer. Like, yeah, you know, we see her mm-hmm. construct things. And there's a, you know, there's a sort of theory that each doctor is a different type of scientist. So that the yeah. Patrick Troughton's going to be a chemist, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that idea that if, if, you know, Jodie Whittaker's doctor she's is an engineer. So, she's so MacGyver. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, and I'd, like to, and I'd like more of that, I guess. I'd like yeah. to see her, yeah, doing yeah. more of the Pertwee kind of throwing stuff together to create a yeah. device. I remember one comment, which I think was Kate Orman online, saying that she got to the point where she really wanted to see one episode in which the doctor ends the episode standing in the ruins of the civilization she has brought down in one night. And I <laughs> and I got that too, going, I want to see her do something unapologetic. I want to see her do something... Right. Big, yeah, and well, we've had. Am I a good man? Yeah, is she a good woman? Yeah, and it felt like, or is she a good doctor? Is really the question we're asking. And I guess because we were leaving so many of those episodes, the villains get away or they wander Mm -hmm. off. And I just wanted to, yeah, I wanted to see her be. But we also had so many new villains. I mean, there are a lot of new elements to the show, and I must say, individually, Mm -hmm. I loved a lot of these. I loved it visually. Yeah, visually, it was gorgeous. I agree. I love music. Yeah, and it was, and it was so exciting to have that change because we haven't had that yet. Definitely, and certainly the focus on um, people of colour mm-hmm. is all of those things are really really great and Ryan I think and it Yasmin, can feel a bit jarring though having yeah. everything at once that, that could be true and I think Ryan and Yasmin are such great characters that I kind of wanted mm. a bit more I mean totally. to me I would lose Graham like, I just felt like <laughs> or I would have made it more of a Scooby gang where, where we could pick and choose them yeah, for episodes, yep. we didn't need all three of them. Well, we did have the focus on Yasmin's family in one episode, but it, yeah. And the weird thing about that one, though, is that Yasmin doesn't really learn anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like there should be a, an end to that, where she's now learnt something about her grandmother, or her grandmother's learnt mm-hmm. something about her. It feels like there needs to be a character payoff we perhaps don't get mm-hmm. in that episode. Mm-hmm. That's what I found it, a little bit frustrating. It's one of those things we, I mean, I've noticed uh, going to funerals a lot lately, you f- start paying attention to the stories that, up until this point in your life, you kind of ignore it. It's like, oh, someone else will remember that. I'd, I don't, I'm not going to bother remembering that. But you get to the point when you realise, no, it's me. I have to remember these stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, for me, that episode was like she was exposing to something that she probably was told about through her yes. life, lifetime, but actually seeing it and witnessing it. But somehow it. I felt it needed to be more anchored to her. Mm-hmm. I felt mm-hmm. it wasn't. I don't know. I was going to say um, Rosa is, is an episode that, you know, 90% of which I absolutely love. My only disappointment is that I think the villain could have been more interesting. Mm-hmm. I know some people said that's sort of the point. It's just about racism. is boring. But I kind of felt there was a chance to do a, an alt-right bro in that role who was much more changing history just to be a dick like a Milo Yiannopoulos kind of character you know rather than the kind of slightly more generic character and I think that would have because also you notice in the episode where um, Jodie Whittaker gets that scene with 
um, Alan Cumming. So oh, it, yeah. Oh. Alan Cumming. The scene she gets with him, suddenly it's amazing. It's riveting because she's been given a great actor to perform against. Mm-hmm. She's been given something to do. And mm. you're going to go, yes, that's the doctor. That's mm. what I want more. I want you to give her more of that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because that episode in particular um, has that weird thing where you know, Yasmin and people keep wandering off by themselves in a, you know, in a time <laughs> in which it's clearly dangerous to be a woman wandering around by yourself. I just, yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on a second. You're not blaming the woman for running around. No. So, yeah, exactly. how dare you women leave the house? Wings! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, I think, um, I mean, I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. Assessing Jodie Whittaker's doctor at this point is not going to be. Early. It's yeah. too it's early. It's too early, yeah. It's way too early. I think people have dismissed her or celebrated her from points of, well, we have to like her because she's a female or we have to hate her because she's a yeah. female. Um, you know, it's way too early. We need to see how this whole thing plays out. We also had a really odd thing, I think, here in Australia where due to the time change of when it went to air in England. Oh, yes. We got it on a Monday night like instead five, of a Sunday. But at 5 p.m. or yeah. something. So no one saw it in Australia. So, yeah, you know, the ratings collapsed. Mm-hmm. Not due to the show itself but just where it was yeah and so many people here don't seem to have even really seen it so i think there's yeah. still yeah i th- and I, I think it was i can't remember what time of year it was but i feel like i was just really busy and i was really struggling to fit it into my schedule as well yeah and i felt that people knew there was a female doctor now but mm. no one i knew had watched the show that yeah. was a really odd kind of mm. like it, like it was it was known mm-hmm. but not seen do you think that people were more aware of it who wouldn't have normally been interested in Doctor Who just because of that, the fact that it was such a big deal. Yeah, to a degree. But I also think where it ended up meant that all the casual viewers had disappeared. So, Mm. you know, we got people who would watch it on Ivy or whatever who were dedicated fans. Yeah. But we didn't get that that usual. There was like half a million people basically vanished from from those weddings simply because... Well, it's such they a long time. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, there's they, that. But there's also, we've been waiting between seasons for such a long time now. And yeah, I must have this year, it does feel a bit like... I'm hooless. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that show still exists, doesn't it? Like, yeah. you, you kind of, it's yeah. sort of vanished. It's the 90s again, it's <laughs> my, disappeared. Mind you, we're like four years between the last <laughs> years of Night Terrace now, so I don't it, know if we can really... It is true. Um, so, actually, that's a... <laughs> and maybe this is a little narcissistic, but I'd like to talk about another female in Night Terrace, mm-hmm. and that's Sue. And she's barely in it in season one. The interesting so, thing I like about Sue is that she's a different character in each season. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually kind of fascinating. So in season one, we, we establish she's this thing, then mm-hmm. explain her. Mm-hmm. Season two, we, we have her as the, you know, <laughs> the new character. And then there's a cliffhanger. Yes. Which is going to play into season three. When we find out a whole she, other side of Sue. And she changes again. And, mm-hmm. that has, and also that thing about um, with, with Anastasia, we did the same thing. So the first yeah. series, she's like, don't want to do this, not interested, just want to retire. Yeah. Second, and in that, she decides she's going to be a great nomad and travel the world. Yeah. Travel the universe. Second season, she's doing that, but still doesn't really want to be involved in these adventures. Oh. And at the very end, you know, through working with, with Eddie and through being separated from Eddie and her and Sue working together, mm. she realizes that she's in a position where she can be a hero and mm. she has actively chosen. Do you think it's about being a hero or do you think it's about helping? Like, is it an altruistic motive for her or does she. It's, it's altruistic, but I think it's more she's. She's now accepting that she has a certain skill set that no one else mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. She has abilities that no one else has. Because I remember in the very first episode, she says, anyone could do this. Yeah. And Eddie says, well, no, they can't. Because you have a whole department <laughs> waiting. You don't need me. Yeah. But also he says, you know, these are hospitality workers. They've got no way of, you know, you know what to do. Mm. And so I kind of like that where, you know, it's almost like she's gone, oh, someone else could do this. And she's gone, why well, she? Maybe they can't. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that, that she's gone, no. And I, also she's realizing, it is an altruistic thing. She realizes she can make the world 
better. She's going to make the universe better. Sure. And why and, wouldn't you? And if she doesn't do it, who will? She's like she's like Greta Thunberg. She's like Greta Thunberg if she was Susan from Neighbours. And um, now you know, that I would watch. Oh, watch that! Yes. And so I think that is that is kind of fun that it's her. It's her reluctantly and then actively taking on a mantle. And it means that in this mm. third series, we can actually probably have a bit more fun with her walking and sort of going, I'm going to solve this. Yeah, I think that'll be quite <laughs> a fun to to, yeah. to play with that. Mm, be interesting to see whether she's successful or well, whether she could, comes a cropper. I could imagine her overstepping the mark a lot of the right. time, going, you, mm-hmm. just do this. Because she doesn't have those boundaries of the department anymore. No. Or does no. she? Or does she? Mm. Sorry, can't. I just can't. I can't help myself. So I do feel, yeah, I do feel we made a, a, a more proactive character, and I really liked in yeah. season two when we split her up with Eddie. So she gets to realize that Eddie does have skills mm. that mm. she doesn't have, and Eddie gets to sort of blossom a bit more. Yeah, but also we we explore the fact that she could have helped someone and didn't, uh, Horatio Gray, mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know recognize how much he helped her as well with all his yes. gadgets and things. So, you know, it's almost like it's a bit of teamwork. Yeah. They've come together. They've they've formed a family in their little home. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I just try and think, because, yeah, we were just asked to sort of compare the, the two of them and that realisation that, yeah, we do have, well, we've got two companions and there's still enough room. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's just, I think, three. Three, three companions is, is a little too, too many, much. isn't it? Is that because we want the stories to be about the Doctor and not the companions? or do Because I think there have been other series where it has become... Too much about the companions, and I know personally I haven't necessarily enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like the Doctor is at the behest. Is that the right phrase? The Doctor is at the behest of, of the, companion. the companions. So they're working and, for the companion rather than yeah, yeah. Or well, they're not emotionally manipulated by the companion, but they're 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 I guess they're objectives are tied into the well-being of the companion. Yeah, I mean, Russell T. Davies, I think, said that he originally, in that first series, wanted the idea that it was the series about Rose. That was the mm. point, that it was about Rose becoming someone, which is an interesting approach, and it does make sense. At the time, I'm feeling a bit frustrating because I wanted mm. more of the Doctor. Yeah. In retrospect, I can kind of see how it works. I went, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think there is a degree, though, of maybe it's just too many spoke-speaking parts. Like, it's just too mm. hard to fit... Yeah. All those people into one plot. Has it been a while since we've had a complete change of like we've sort of almost had a bit of overlapping for certainly since Eccleston mm-hmm. and um, and Rose. well, well, the first yeah you know, series five, so the first one of Stephen Moffat's where we get the new Doctor and the new companion. So yeah, we, yeah. we definitely had a new theme tune. So we definitely had mm-hmm. a new Tardis. There was definitely that changeover, but we had the same you know musician and the same production team. True. So there was a mm-hmm. There was a similarity to it. Mm. It is interesting. This one is has such, yeah, changing visual, everything. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, I I really do like a lot of those elements. Mm. But it was definitely jarring. It it was definitely. I, I remember thinking, "Gosh, I do love the sound of this music and the score, mm. well, the underscore all through the episodes. I really loved, but it it felt very different, and you you had to you had to work at at enjoying it in yeah. some ways." I must admit, I, I almost thought it was a bit of a, a lost opportunity to have the whole series being about the Doctor searching for the TARDIS. I thought that could have been quite interesting. She loses the TARDIS at the very beginning of her first episode. Mm. It did take you a know. long time to get into certain elements that we were almost expecting in the first yeah, episode Yeah, which almost well, makes though. you think that if you're doing that, like, embrace that. I, like, I, I, don't, yeah. know. I don't know. Like you're saying, there's a lot of really great stuff, but maybe it just it doesn't feel like it's mm. quite melding together yet. Do you think that maybe the the loss of 
not Graham's girlfriend, but Ryan's grandma. Yes, which no one seemed to, yeah. <laughs> Could we have got to know her character more? Uh, have that sort of loss happen later, well, a little later in the someone, season? Someone did mention the fact that the first episode starts off with the fridging of a black woman. as a kind of terrible way to... Yeah, it's not right. Do you know, it's funny, I, I, was, I was looking at Quark the other day, the oh, 70s American science fiction comedy series, <laughs> of which only eight episodes were ever made. And the funny thing is when you look back at Quark... So we've already doubled that. It's got, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's already got this, it's got this amazing thing where some of the decisions, you, so like, um, for example, the, the, the captain of the ship, so the, 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 the pilot of the ship mm-hmm. is a woman. You go, oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But she's often in hot pants and a bra. You know, um, there's a non-binary. That's, that's how I go about my day. To be <laughs> there's fair. a non-binary character called Jean, and yeah. that's kind of an exciting thing. Except that it's just to play up, you know, these horrendous gender stereotypes of what men yeah. and women are. And it's that sense of when you go, the idea is really good, but somehow the execution has come out badly. And it's that sense I feel with the series Doctor Who, where we have this. Like, you have fantastic female lead, and there's, mm. you know, there's, there's, this is got to, you know. In- Do you think it might have been more interesting to surprise, you know, everyone had been s- speculating about a female doctor for so long mm. to just go completely non binary? I'm, you're the old who expert over me. Oh, look, I, Is there space for that in. I think, look, I think there will be. I mean, my, what I, I think we need is we need a woman, and then we need a black man, and then we need a black woman. I don't know. We, I feel like we need more. You know, like, so we can't go non-binary. Not straight yet. Away. I, I, my feelings that's coming later. Right. Know. Do you know one, one thing? I always love the the whole thing. I always had that one theory when um, when Eccleston only did that one season that it would be kind of fantastic if they just replaced the Doctor every year. <laughs> like I would kind of love you know, this well, every year. Mm-hmm. Here's Helen Mirren finally. You know, here's <laughs> you know, and and I kind of when I did the thing with John Hurt, which is so fantastic. I kind of wish we could have more hidden doctors. Like I think it'd be great mm-hmm. if you could do more of these shows in which you know, so get Helen Mirren in for one episode, but go, oh yeah, she was the Doctor between you know, Troughton and Perley or like, you okay. know, so just kind of give us these extra characters who mm-hmm. are never going to commit to a whole series, but also then it never becomes, this is the, the, the thing about being the first or only female doctor. You're mm-hmm. actually, no, there were three more that you just didn't know about. I, I know, take that kind of. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you think that there's like a chance for a spin off where it's, Doctor Y or something, <laughs> or she, it's probably Doctor X, isn't it? But Dr. you know what I mean. Like it's it's yeah. it's the same concept, but we get those different doctors. Know, Big Finish did that series of um, Unbound, which is actually the first thing I've bought for Big Finish, and I, I love so much. And I read somewhere they sold terribly, so they never did it again. But they did this whole series of you know different actors playing the Doctor. So Arabella mm. Weir played one, and yeah. yeah, and it was also kind of there was like, what if, like, yeah, what if this hadn't happened? Or so, what mm-hmm. if the Doctor didn't leave Gallifrey and you know, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Bailden played them? Or what if the Doctor, instead of being Pertwee and hiding in the what may have been the seventies, was in the current day working at a at a supermarket? You know, played by Arabella Weir, and it was kind of just such an interesting and that I think would be so much fun to play with. Sure. And I just wish there was a way you could do it on telly without. Yeah, I don't know. Can we have Doctor you know, 3.1 and <laughs> Doctor 5.7? I don't know. I just feel like it would be great to sneak some more in there. Yeah. Oh, Doctor Who. Season 12 like finish has been so far away. I it don't feels even, like it's so far away, doesn't it? I, just, I think it's New Year's Day we get a new episode, well, but I feel like there's been no buzz no, and I've kind of forgotten that it even Yeah, exists. that's what I mean. It really feels like it vanished. Um, mm. the, there is rumour of a, of a Christmas or New Year's I think special. it's the New Year's because I remember there being such an uproar about it. Or was that 
last year. That, that was probably last year. That started on New Year's, but it might go back to Christmas. It's certainly going back to the same time slot. It's moving away from Sunday, which means here in Australia, it'll go back it's to being Saturday. on Sunday, Sunday nights. Sunday nights, it was. yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just so hard to know that they definitely were filming recently because, mm -hmm. you know, spoiler, 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 there were Daleks on the um, Bristol Suspension Bridge, I believe, the other day. So they Ooh. were filming. Yeah. Um, so is that for a Christmas special? Who knows? I mean, if Christmas right. special? That's. But they're going to have to edit that. Yeah, well, maybe. maybe but like you're saying, it, it just feels like it's vanished, and yeah. I don't. It's certainly gone off the radar. A yeah. Bit. It's in a black hole. But maybe they'll come back, you know, stronger and. I yeah. hope so. I, you know, I think once people kind of have now that they've got used to the rhythm, yeah. Um, I do. I do still celebrate the fact that we have not just a female doctor, but I do celebrate that we have Jodie Whittaker. Yes. I think she did a spectacular no, job. I agree. I agree. I, I really love her characterization and her personality, and maybe we'll get to see that a little bit more. And to be honest, if it was her and Yasmin and the Talis, I, oh. I would be just so thrilled. I mean, just, yes. that, just do that. Just you know, uh, we'll just turn right. Just yeah, simplify. Um, yeah. But yeah. Look, it's, 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 it, it will, we'll, like you say, we'll come back in a few years' time and we'll do a spending chat sure about us. Do you want it? Do you want us to come back in a few years' time or do you want us to come back sooner? Because what that means is that Whitaker's disappeared earlier. So do you think that we will want a new doctor sooner rather than oh, later? Oh, no, I, look, I assume she'll do the three years, which seems to be the kind of standard. Which is actually six, tiny wimey Oh, yeah. Under the current yeah, production yeah, yeah, schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like three seasons spread across a decade. Three yeah. seasons in a movie. <laughs> From your point in Smitty Chaps, we, we mentioned that um, we were going through Prime Ministers twice as fast as Doctors. <laughs> so, yeah, so look, I, I, I think she'll probably end up doing the, the three years. And what worries me is that, yeah, you end up with that thing where it's the one female Doctor. Yeah, I don't want yeah. it to be the one female Doctor. Yeah, yeah. And I think Jackie Woodburn should be the next one. Yes. Oh, my God, she'd be so great. Yes. Susan's How do we make that happen? <laughs> no, I really love Jackie's, um, and I don't think it's just because I'm so used to seeing her as Susan Kennedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's also done really lovely work back in the, I'm not going to say the year, <laughs> <laughs> but in Prisoner. And yeah. um, I mean, she's definitely a different character too. That's a lovely oh, thing. And so as much gorgeous. as we joke about it being Susan from Neighbours, the fact that, you know. That's a marketing thing, the, people. <laughs> yes, that Anastasia is clearly a different character. Totally. And even like just watching her perform and, and and watching her play Anastasia in the recording booth, and then she immediately switches back into Jackie. And mm. it's and even that switch is just delightful. To even see. the accent thing—I know we've talked about this before—but it's so fascinating that Jackie acts in an Australian accent, which isn't quite her speaking accent. You know, yeah, she's got that that slight Northern Irish burr yeah, in there when she art. talks. Yeah, yeah. But um, but when she acts, she does an Australian yeah. accent. I find that fascinating yeah. in itself. Well, uh, it's well. Someone said to me the other day, "Have, have you got an accent?" now or something and it, I, I think I do have a performing voice mm -hmm. um, I know like in various performances whether they be everyday performances in certain jobs and things I have a persona and you kind of just fall into that uh, I have to take more care in the way I sound for me I think it's actually I nearly failed my acting degree because I had a lisp Assimilant, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and here's the funny thing. So first year, um, first year of, uh, or end of the year, my, um, I'm not going to give her the time of the day. 
I nearly failed my voice. I was told that if I didn't get rid of my lisp for performance in the next assessment, which was eight weeks away, mm. I would fail not only voice but intern acting and movement and therefore have to repeat first year. Wow. So that really kicked me into gear. I had to pay for speech therapy on a university student mm. budget. Um, and I worked my butt off. But it has given me a bit of a – just a bit of a hang-up about yeah. the way that I speak. I hear it a lot. Most people go, you don't have a lisp. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And But it is definitely something that when I'm speaking on mic or I'm speaking for a camera or whatever or, you know, even in a large space where I have to articulate and, mm-hmm. and project, I take more care in what I say. Right. And, of course, that makes me sound different. That's how accents work. When I used to do the radio show, uh, well, that's not something I did when I was on Joy, mm-hmm. I used to have a little note in front of me that said, slow down. Because yeah. I, I just talk fast and <laughs> often incomprehensibly. And like I remember when I went to LA and I had a meeting with this agent at CAA or whatever, and she talked fast as well. It was the best conversation I've ever had. Because we, <laughs> like, we got through twice as much stuff in half the time. Like it was just an excitement of just bagging this stuff. You know, that thing like you're saying about trying to have your performance voice where it's yeah. like, yeah, you mind this or mind that. And, Do you yeah. know a very interesting thing mm-hmm. about how I passed? Because, spoiler alert, I graduated acting school. Um, the assignment that I had to do was great speeches in history. Mm-hmm. And I chose Pauline Hansen's maiden <gasps> speech. The oh, first wow. one. Yeah, that's okay. what I performed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so that was very... I, I thought think- you were racist. <laughs> It was the whole, I may be a fish and chip shop lady. And that's it. Hey, you heard it just saying. That's a really hard phrase to to say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it was – I often think about the fact that I chose that. You know, a lot of people were doing Winston Churchill and all that sort of thing. And I think even then I knew that that was a – that was a point in history that we needed to pay attention to. Wow, that's fantastic. Wow, I got deep. Well, to to round off, anything else we need to say about about – Anastasia Black or the 13th Doctor or... More 13th Doctor, more Anastasia Black. Yes, okay. I I think that's a good summary. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. More, more of all, please, thank you. How are we going to do that, John? Um, I would think the best way, not for the 13th Doctor, we have no control over that. No control. I mean, we can watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say uh, go to the Kickstarter, which is presumably linked somewhere around here, or go to nightterrace.com to follow the Kickstarter for Season 3 of Night Terrace, in which you can give Anastasia Black eight new adventures, mm-hmm. which will be very exciting. Shall we go into places you've never imagined? And I should probably point out, we've had these adventures written for a very long time. We, we had a meeting a while back, long, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. We had a secret meeting in a library, which they put up on the billboard thing at the front. Do you remember? It said, Night Terrace! <laughs> meeting um, and uh yeah and and then of course the whole bbc thing happened which yeah, took quite a while to, it took to, a while to kick, in. kick into gear yeah so we've been waiting for that to happen yeah um, so it was very <laughs> we had to wait till all of that was finished before yeah. moving forward to, <laughs> to be honest, season three one of the stories on that thing i don't know what it is i look at it going i have no memory of what this was meant to be. don't know what that was sure it was funny it'll be good <laughs> No, I think I'm really, I'm super excited for season three. I really do 
hope that we get to tell the tales, um, not just uh, from Sue's perspective, but, you know, there's a lot of golden nuggets that were planted back in season one that we'll yeah, get to true. explore now. So, um, yeah, so please go to our Kickstarter if you if you can support us. And anyway, that's fantastic. If you're financially unable to support us, please share our Kickstarter link. That is also just as good. Um, Definitely. Tell your friends. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they don't tell have to like Doctor Who. They if just If you like comedy, if you like supporting female protagonists, if you like supporting Australian performers and, and producers and creators, uh, lots of reasons. Yeah. So we're going to drink more coffee now. And uh, yeah. until next time we meet. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. It's, it's good. good. Keep, keep warm. warm. I think I forgot what it was. Me too. I was like, please keep warm. No, it's that's been, not it. It's been a while. <laughs> you have been listening to Splendid Chaps. To learn more about Night Terrace or to support Season 3, visit nightterrace.com. Splendid Chaps is a Splendid Chaps production. Night Terrace, a sci-fi comedy audio series. To let, three-bedroom terrace house on a quiet street, fully furnished, reasonably priced. But this is no ordinary house. We travel through time and space in a suburban house that's operated by the Taps. Is that what you meant? Explain yourselves. Anastasia. Dr. Black. If you need a job done, you need to do it yourself. Sue. Sue? Sometimes blowing bad stuff up is the best you can hope for. Eddie. Mr. Jones. I have no idea what's going on. I knew something wasn't right. We must be in a parallel universe. Cup of tea? Biscuit? We are omnipotent beings from a different plane of existence. Totally different. It's a super rare plane. You probably haven't heard of it. It's usually a bad sign when you rewrite your own history, yes? How much do you know about the uncertainty principle? I'm not sure. Oh, just ignore Eddie. He doesn't really get time travel. We haven't all spent decades working for a shadowy government agency saving the world. That much was obvious. Messing with time is a dangerous thing, Eddie. It appears the experiment has failed. It's a bit of a blur. Well, that was useless and a bit weird. It's just another ever-increasing spiral of comic misunderstandings. But on the other hand, neither Sue nor I can do Welsh clog dancing. I regret showing you that now. To hear more, visit nightterrors.com. Because it's awesome.